This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, FM, positive conversations with people in their bubbles and their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, not joined today by Mara Karatai, and her dog is at the vet. But I am joined, who's not at the vet, by Dan Abel, who is in Kaipoi, I think. Correct. Cowboy, we're still on the same island, Sam. Thanks for having me on the show. How was your bubble life? Well, uh, new, disconcerting, but also quite enjoyable. The slowdown, uh, the switch off, um, the, the, the fresh air, the exercise, the time to reflect. Plenty of positives. And I don't know about you, but I fell into a bucket of optimism as a child and uh, it's, it seemed to stick. So that's how I approach it. And the reason that you're on the show is that you popped up in my Facebook feed because it is the anniversary of your channel swim. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, good old face thing. That's how I found out it was my anniversary <laughs> as well, as well as my uh, support crew sent me some photos and some other folks in the UK that are gills dry at the moment. So they're obviously all over the social media. So they sent me some photos as well three years ago. Wow. Was it really? So you're not just a swimmer. The swimming is your is what you do. Uh, when I come into the country, you know, when we used to do international travel and you have to put down occupation on the arrival card, I do put down swimmer. Wow. And do they say, when, when I put down academic, they say, what sort of academic? And I say professor. And they say, what sort of professor? And I know that if, you, if I was to say botanist, then you'd be off for the test. But if you say computing, they say, whatever, go off you go. So do they say, what sort of swimmer? Is it backstroke? Uh, no, actually, it, it seems to get me a smooth ride through. Well, usually I'm in the declared because they say, you've got sporting goods, have they been wet? Yes, swim gear, and it's uh, it's been in the ocean, right? That matches up with the occupation. We understand now, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, I do it. I write about it. I talk about it. It is my life, Sam, as uh, our paths have crossed, and it's brought some wonderful people in into my life all around the world, yourself included. I think we had a lovely catch-up on the banks of the Thames one day way back when, if I recall. We did. You beat me down the Thames. You, you were the first... <laughs> was it a race? It was that, well, was that 10K? You were, it was 10K? 12K? Something like that. 12K, yes. Yes, and you were the first skin swimmer and I was the second. That was a nice day. It was ah. a nice course, wasn't it? And we caught up with a lovely lady called Jamie Monaghan from New York. That's right, that's right. There, yeah, she's. Um, do you know Jamie? Have you heard of Jamie? I don't think so. Okay, uh, worth a Google. Uh, fantastic uh, ambassador for our sport, ice swimming, marathon swimming. Uh, she has done Lake, what is it, Lake Geneva as well, I think. She's done some long, she's in the 24 hour club, Sam. So serious marathon swimming. She's been down to Mount Cook National Park and done some ice swimming in New Zealand. So she's been over here. And uh, like I say, all of us joined up together one day on the River Thames for a little chat because uh, swimming is a beautiful international community. So did you manage to keep swimming during the lockdown? I hear you've got a house with a pool now. 
You know, I have not had a summer, uh, sorry, a winter for 10 years. Very coincidentally, this is the first time I had planned not to go back to London. My fiance and I bought a house with a pool last year and uh, it was very sad to say goodbye to London. And then here we come in the fall, in the autumn, and COVID, and, and uh, I'm isolated with a 12 metre puddle. I was very, very lucky. So, yes, I could keep my feet and hands and gills wet. Let's take Crowded House, always take the weather with you.
So you're not just a, a swimmer, you're a long-distance swimmer, and that's what you do for a job. Well, coaching uh, for that. I, I am, yeah, so it's been a, it's a lifelong journey. I, you know, water it means so much to all of us, not just humans, you know, or life on the planet. And I have a lifelong relationship with it. I've done a lot of things. I, I would call myself a swimmer, not just a marathon swimmer. I have done some reasonable marathon swims. I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge. But one of at the other end of the spectrum, one of my passions is teaching adults to swim. And uh, I lobby for access for adults. Uh, adults make up, what, 80% of our population, depending on what your legal definition of as an adult in New Zealand. But we find that access and assistance to the adult population, those 80% of people in the country that we classify as adults for water support, skills training is is lacking. So that's something that we lobby and, and uh, work hard to to support. It's a passion of mine. So it's not just marathon swimming. It's, uh, it's teaching adult swimming and it's helping adults get the help, support, encouragement they need. And there's many avenues to that, which I look forward to talking a little bit more about today, Sam. Because you were in um, Christchurch after the earthquakes and, and yes, I know sir. that you were, you were lobbying then to get the pools open and to get people engaged in, in any activity, really, but swimming in particular. I was here. Very, very scary time for those that went through it. Uh, and I, it certainly changed my life. Um, you wouldn't be in Christchurch in New Zealand in for, for the swim business, if you like. There's not the population for it. There's not support for it. But I'm, it's my home. And I'm passionate about the location. I'm passionate about the people. So from 2011, we thought, you know, keeping people moving, giving them a way to take their mind off the other events that are happening around us, that was important. So that was the reason for getting swimming started. And from there, it's really grown, not only what we deliver, but also the reasons for delivering it. Is that, a, I mean, I imagine that a lot of the, the, the job of coaching is not just the, the, the technique but about people keeping people engaged and keeping people positive. Is, are yeah, there lessons so, from that for wider well-being, or in fact for how to deal with a pandemic? Well, we don't consider ourselves just swim coaches. We call ourselves a swim consultancy. So we are therapists. We are best friends to people. We are motivators. We are nutritionists. Uh, you know, uh, an interesting story in London. I had mother of teenage children who went back to do some uh, post-grad study and she did a thesis in banter in sport. She thought to start out, she was going to do the banter studies in team sports, but her focus ended up being solo sports and she quantified how important banter, using her terms, is in sports such as swimming and rowing. And when you start to quantify that, you realise, and I don't know your experiences, Sam, but we already dwelled on one, our experience of swimming the River Thames, not just the people. So when you understand that, as we do, it's not just about delivering swimming. We try and create an environment where you also have the chance to engage with people. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? Those sorts of conversations. And that's around swimming. The swimming helps you relax, I guess, and, and become more open to those conversations. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. 
So, of course, as we head into Puaka Matariki time, it's a very, very special time for us to be appreciating the beauty of Te Ao Marama, the world of light which we inhabit. And I'm particularly connecting with one of the Fitu Hiwai Tirangi, Hiwa Nui, Hiwa Roa, Hiwa Pukinga, Hiwa Wananga. Of course, we're learning from all the Fitu and the different values that they represent, that they are here to share. Hiwai te rangi tēne e kōru o te manawa kōranga, tēne te āwhero o te mānaka nui, o rāhia nūtia mai, nā hua taiwhiti, a tīne tīne au te tau. Pūrūtia e au ki a mau te āngitu, tāwhia te mōhuau ki a uita, ka puta ki te whaiwa te aumara. Hiwai te rangi is the star of granting wishes, and I really feel a connection with the this beautiful star we're really lucky at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary that we have a wishing statue and I just love that whole aspect of us when we're searching out within ourselves and in our environment to see what we can do what we would love to see actualize and I've been doing a lot of this I've been so lucky with the groups that I've been working with today a beautiful group from Port Chalmers thinking about how they'd like to attract native birds to them and so that's their wish for the new year, working with a beautiful school to have Tui's come to visit their school, and that is their wish. I would love all the children at the school to be able to see Tui's every day, and what a beautiful wish for their new year. I've also been thinking about our environment that is around us that we can feel, that we are aware of, and that we can tune into. And this is obviously something that we can increase our skill set in every day just by tuning in with our living toolkit, our five senses. Really appreciating what we can see and smell and touch and taste and hear. And of course, by doing this, we're really able to appreciate what is around us. And by seeing the beauty that is around us, appreciate our own beauty. And we also have such control over how we feel and how we appreciate and I've been really enjoying with the beautiful people I've been working with today, been doing bird surveys, really enjoying seeing the difference when we choose to be calm and quiet and peaceful, how many birds we could get to come and be around us. Because of course, when we're choosing to be calm and quiet and peaceful, we feel so relaxed, we feel so at peace. And that is when all these other life forms, of course, are attracted to us and feel safe to come and spend time with us and today we had wonderful experiences of all these native birds coming and being around us looking up into the trees and we had the takahe come to see us the kaka come to see us They're very rare and endangered birds and i think we just all really enjoyed that opportunity of having some peaceful calm and quiet time that we recognized as a shift of state of being that was under our control so I hope that for all of you, you're really enjoying this time of Puaka Matariki, appreciating the world around you and thinking about what wishes, what aspirations, what states of being you would like 
to bring into your life for the new year. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. I think the first time we met was swimming down the Waiau from Tianao down to Rainbow Reach in full flood. 650 cumex. 650 cumex. And there are some things that I enjoy doing and there are some things I will not be doing again. And going down that river in full flood is on the not doing again list. But because it was flowing so fast, Ant Jackson and I decided we're going to break the record here. This is we're just going to blitz this. And we got in and we were going we were going quick. We were we were swimming really, really well. And then we just both happened to breathe to our left at the same time. And we saw you and a group of women, some of them in rubber tubes, floating past us. And we stopped swimming. You said, this isn't a swimming race. This is a navigation race. But you were having such a good time. This is true. Yeah. Um, there was a uh, quite a group in there, though, as well, Sam. You had Anna Marshall in there. She swam the length of Lake Taupo. You had Indy Kral. She has completed the Kona Hawaii Ironman. You had Chloe Harris, who has swum the Fogo Strait. So some quite accomplished swimmers in there. But you're right, in those kinds of environments, um, at 650 QMX, we were more focused on staying together. Um, safety was paramount and also enjoying it. How often would you do that, really? Yeah, it, it was an incredible. It was an incredible day. And the other thing that you you told me, I think it was that day, was to don't worry about doing the big organised swims. Just find something that that seems interesting. Go from this point to that point. Go the length of the harbour. And so that's what I've been doing. Oh, brilliant! That's great to hear, Sam. And I, yeah, I totally uh, like to think the way we deliver swimming, the way I talk about it, try and remove the barriers. They don't need to be expensive events. Um, and most people, in fact, I, I find find mass, mass participation a put, a put off. If you can find a group of people, small group of people with similar interests, uh, you can plan an adventure, put some safety uh, parameters in place, and off you go and you do it. And it's one of the beautiful things about New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, especially as we're not travelling and not going to be travelling for at least probably the next year or so. We're going to be looking for those interesting places to swim. But you've been working on that sort of thing for a while. You've been promoting the swimming holidays. We have. Uh, it's to people the people who aren't competitive. They're there for the challenge. So our answer to that is, like you say, the swim holidays, our brand Real Swim Adventures. And we think New Zealand's a fantastic country. A lot of people out there exploring uh, the terra firma, but not as many people exploring the water so our goal was to help people explore the water a swimming holiday how does it work you turn up usually you spend either a long weekend or a week and you explore the environment but it's the aquatic environment we do some lake ones we do some ocean ones and i think i mentioned to you in the email uh, a couple of years back we went and did fjordland for the first time with a fantastic outfit called pure salt who are in tune with the environment great educational environmental message and passionate about doing an activity that really doesn't do any harm to the environment and with a group of people that want to learn about it. And we go back there next March to swim fjordland. And of course, when people who are non-swimmers hear about that, they say we're mad. And we say, well, we probably are mad, but we're going to enjoy it nonetheless. And everyone says, A, sharks, and B, cold. Do, do either of those yeah. bother you? Um, well, it depends in what context. Um, if you're talking about an endangered species in a soup, that bothers me. 
Um, if you talk about it hanging off my leg, that would probably bother me as well. Um, but seeing them in their environment swimming happily and free, we're quite happy about that. Um, and it's it's really a, a logic check for me, isn't it? There's, you know, the most dangerous thing about our swim trips are usually driving to the swim trip. If you if you put some science behind it and uh, statistics, uh, this you know we don't swim at night. Um, there's some areas we don't go to just based on local knowledge. But uh, in all our swims, and there's so much swimming happening around the world, uh, what's the biggest harm? Usually, swimmers, you know, a car accident driving there, getting run over by a boat, or um, on the less lethal side of things, uh, a in their conversation, least often uh, an event that we deal with. Uh, on the rare occasions I've seen a shark, they have seen me freaked out and swum the other way at 100 miles an hour. Yep, yep. And and most often not the support boat says, oh, we saw a dolphin or we saw something. Did you see it? Nope. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, one of the saddest swims I've done, uh, we did some swimming in the Mediterranean and it was beautiful, but I was like, something's not right here. What What's missing? The fish. No fish, just an extreme example of overfishing. And, um, you know, I, people say to me, we do the Nelson Lake swims and people say, oh, the eels. And I say, isn't it great? You're swimming in an environment that's healthy for the animals to live in. And I always call open water swimmers the canaries in the mine in that if you're in the water, you see the pollution, you smell it, you're in contact with it too long. find out that mentality we throw things into the ocean and i see the pure salt gang down in fjordland doing collection of rubbish off the ocean floor those sorts of things and i love our swims that put you know new swimmers in the open water creates a new sense of awareness of their environment it's a really positive thing i think liesel mitchell is a downtown dweller urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown Hi, bubble people, what's going on? Hope you're having one of those fabulous days where you just feel like things are going your way. Because who doesn't love a day like that? I love a day like that, where I feel like I walk out the door and the sun is shining, even if it's raining. Um, People are smiling, even if they're grumpy. Uh, Cars are waiting for me when I cross at pedestrian crossings, um, even if they sort of looked like they were going to go through the pedestrian crossing. But at the last minute, they stop, and that's wonderful. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you're having a a good old day. Um, I've just been reflecting on my post-lockdown world, because now that we've done lockdown as a a thing, um, it's funny because it's become a reference point for me now, where post-lockdown or after lockdown, it's like a, a moment in time that we will mark forevermore. Uh, but it's also provided a kind of a, an alternative way of doing things that I would have never really paid attention to had I not had that experience. So I wonder if you have had any of these thoughts too, because I'm, I'm curious whether others are thinking like this, or it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's not just me that's having these thoughts. But I feel acutely aware of the speed up of my life since lockdown, and it It started slowly and it has gathered momentum and I feel as though I am once again on a treadmill that is pushing me 
to go faster and faster and faster. It's a little bit like one of those one of those treadmills you get on at the gym and um, you push the little plus button and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll go up a little bit further, a little bit further. Yeah, no, it's still not going that fast. Um, I'll go a bit faster. Yep. Yeah, no, I can do this. A wee bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, gosh. No, 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 no. no. Oh, that's too fast. How do I turn this thing off? <laughs> As you sort of get um, over, over your speed limit or um, your feet are going faster than um, they are capable of being forced to move by the, by the treadmill. And that's a little bit how I feel. And to be honest, I'm not even someone that has an awful lot of pressure in my life. So I manage my life in such a way that I that I really reduce pressure and I am able to choose some of the schedules that I work at. So I've got a lot of, um, I guess, kind of like, what's the word? I'm quite fortunate in the sense that I don't have a lot of external pressure. But even still, just interacting with other people, um, setting up, you know, meeting times with other people, or appointments, um, turning up for work on time—all of these things require me to be aware of the schedules of other people. So, even if my own schedule has a fairly loose and free kind of approach to life, <laughs> other people's do not necessarily, and. It's this kind of like just slow kind of like build up of pace that I've been noticing and it's affecting me in and in not a way that I, um, well, I don't want to repeat what was happening before lockdown. I think for me, lockdown was a great opportunity to review some of the things in my life that I, that I enjoyed and I thought were positive and to review some of the things that I didn't think were that positive. And one of them definitely was the pace that we live at. And for some reason I feel like we're living at a pace where we're, we've got some kind of goal that we're racing towards. But I'm not sure what that goal is or why we are racing towards it. What is the hurry and why do we have to move at a pace where we can't enjoy many of the things that life offer us, including our relationships with other people. I'm just finding that I don't have that time anymore to connect with people the way I was during lockdown. And, you know, some of that's just lo- the logistics of, of life. But a lot of it's actually just about being tired. At the end of the day, you've done a day's work or you've filled your day with whatever you might have to fill it up with. And um, it's not as easy to connect up with other people as it was during lockdown. So while I'm not saying we should be in lockdown, (laughs) I am saying there were some things about lockdown that had merits and I just wonder how you're feeling about that. Have you noticed your life speed up? And if you have, how does that feel? What would you do differently? And what could you take out of lockdown that maybe you can um, use in your life today that might might be positive. Anyway, those are the thoughts. I will leave you there. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Take care. So you got to swim during the lockdowns. I, I swam in level three when we were allowed. Mm-hmm. We did 74 Ks in the harbour during level three. Did you find people rushing back to the water? Um, those that could, because I think the guidelines there were that had to be in your backyard, didn't so um, uh, I know there were those that lived close to the ocean. We're out there. We obviously had the pool. Um, again, I, every, I know it was just to swim because they knew it was great for their mental health, not just their physical health. So as soon as those staged 
lockdowns eased up both in New Zealand and around the world. And if you're watching the chatter online, Sam, you'll see the UK starting to open up, how happy the swimmers are to be able to get back in the water. And it's, again, like I say, not just for their fitness, but for their mental health as well. That's quite remarkable, isn't it? That, um, yeah. How much effect that's that's having. So this isn't, you say this is the first year you're not going back to, to London? Correct. I'm usually there now, t- coaching June, July, August. But... Uh, I have now moved permanently back to New Zealand. Wow. So you're missing that big Lido? It's a beautiful outdoor resource. So, yes, I miss it. Um, but the focus now is lobbying for those open-air spaces in New Zealand and making sure we don't lose any more. Are you getting swimming pools? For, for a long time, the swimmers from Christchurch are having to come down to Dunedin to compete. And they will still have to for the short-term future at least um, as they still build those facilities here in Christchurch Um, yeah like a lot of things at local governmental level Sam um, a lot of money has been poured in that project 10 years later Um, it's not so for open for open water you're swimming in you've got a couple of small lakes if you're not going all the way over to Akaroa or Littleton sometimes Correct. There's space all around us for open water use, and that's what we've been uh, spending our time doing, uh, locating, lobbying, and trying to open those spaces up. We've got some fantastic spaces here that we've been using for open water swimming, and we have one outdoor pool we've been using as well during the summer and trying to extend the time there. And what we've found is once we find, help make safe, and set up programs in those spaces, more and more adults are taking it up. my narrative, Sam, is that we've spent the last 30 to 40 years covering all of our swimming pools. So what we're finding is adults are rediscovering those opportunities and more and more taking them up. I think it's sad that people aren't familiar with it. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I'd just go down and jump in the river. That's not uh, something we would likely do anymore, and it's not something that people encourage their children to do. Uh, so it's 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 sad but uh, the trend show in the Northern Hemisphere that now people are turning more and more to outdoor swimming as opposed to indoor pools. So in your own harbour down there, haven't you? Yeah, and a lot of it is just doing it and letting people know that you'll be there or that there'll be, there'll be somebody swimming every night at six o'clock. Um, and because, and you, when you start having that conversation, have you found more people joining you? Oh, yeah. So there's a, a reasonable crowd turning up on a... Um, particularly on a Wednesday night and on a um, Sunday afternoon, um, we still haven't got that 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 sort of sense that you have in the UK of that's where people are doing their their training. But my plan this coming summer is to give up my swimming pass to the to Moana and swim in the harbour. That I, I want that to be the, the yeah. where we're going swimming every day. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? Now, some things that we've been working on. Firstly our project with working with our local harbour master sam have you seen our swim advisory no so i picked this up overseas it's not a new idea but the concept is in Lytton harbour here we put out large ocean going swim buoys that are marked orange with a swimmer on them and our harbour master gave us permission to anchor those and they're along a one kilometer route where swimmers most often swim and it's called a swim advisory area. And then we created a map and we put them up those local boat ramps. So the boaties know about it. And of course, I talk about it online. 
being then that swimmers are most likely to be in this area, go slower, have a more of a lookout for them. And you'll know, sadly, from that death, you know, swimmer got run over by the boat up in Auckland. It's what we are trying to avoid as we get more and more users out on the water as the population grows. Now, the other part to that is what we want to do is we want to spread that concept up and down the country. So the idea is that a swim advisory or whatever it's called the boys are marked the same, they're the same colour with the same graphics on them, so that if you go from Otago to Wanaka or Queenstown to Christchurch to Nelson to Auckland, you can look on a map and see these marked areas, or you can be driving past and see these orange boys with a swimmer, and you know that's where local swimmers tend to go. So it's relatively safe, and it's more likely that boats and other recreational water users know to look out for you. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, we've got five knot markers that have been put in in the last few years, and conveniently they've put them in at um, 400 metre intervals. Um, so it's, it's quite good <laughs> having known distances so, to, to swim by, because then, then you can dial up a dial up a programme. And that's what, they're handy, but that's what we found here, and that's what they found in Wellington, is that swimmers were using the five-knot boys for navigational markers, but we also found that jet skiers were using them. And sometimes the swimmers would swim just outside the five-knot, and sometimes jet skiers would use the five-knot for slaloms. So what we've done is put our swim advisory boys about 30 metres inside the five-knot boys to give an extra buffer. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Yeah, because so, that's, that's exactly what we're doing. We're swimming down that line. So most of the time, we're probably outside that zone. Yeah, and the problem is, of course, water users don't need to be licensed. So they may or may not know, or they may or may not have a certain level of care. Uh, and if you've got another set of boys on the inside, it gives you a little bit more of a safety buffer. So I've been talking with our harbour master. He did invite me to the conference, but then COVID happened. And I really want to pitch it. We've tried to get uh, involvement from Water Safety New Zealand. Um, unfortunately, they're a little bit um, tempered in their approach. So we haven't had a win there. But if we could get some support, this is a project that I'd love to grow nationally. Because I don't know about you, Sam, have you swum in... Um, Wanaka, like Wanaka, you've seen there, swim advisory area? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not, imagine if you're new there and you weren't sure where to go, that it's not a very distinct marked boy line, is it? No, not at all. No, you mm. can't tell. Yeah, whereas um, when Tristan and the team in Queenstown were setting up, I had a chat to them and uh, they involved us. So I know that they've got fairly solid markers when they're out swimming. Let's play Breathe Owl Breathe. I wish I was swimming. I wish I was swimming. I wish I was swimming. I wish I was. I wish I wish I wish I was swimming. I wish I was swimming. I wish I was swimming. I wish I was. I wish I wish I wish I was. Depends on where we're going to If 
So of all of the changes you've seen over the last four months or so since the since we've been affected by this pandemic thing, what societal level changes do you think are going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Oh, wow, that's a big question. That is a big question. Um, yeah, I, I hope some of the, this is the biggest opportunity for environmental change that we've we've had. So I'm hoping for some wins there. Uh, I mean, there was no human way that we were going to cut down on air travel, so nature took care of that for us. Um, I email again to you that I, you know, I've done so much travelling 
there were swimmers at London that had said to me they're not going to fly again because of their concerns about climate change, and that was one of the things they could do as a contribution. And now the pandemic's kind of put that upon us. So now flying is no longer something we take for granted. It's certainly a privilege right now. And one of my goals is to maintain that going forward. I don't want to just jump on a flight and take it for granted. You know, do I need to do it? Is it going to be a privilege? So I hope something like that remains. Um, Behaviour-wise, you know, I'm trying to be positive, but it's uh, uh, as I read the world news, I, uh, I there's some behaviours that I don't think will change, sadly. And it looks like nature's going to take care of some of that for us. Um, but for me, always coming back to swimming, swimmers tend to be a very optimistic positive bunch and hopefully if we get more people involved in swimming and exercise and it looks like it'll be even more New Zealand focused then we can get more people aware of nature our impact on it water how important it is and not just from a you know a, a safety perspective uh, not just from a wellness perspective but also environmental so much that swimming can do for us what about you sam what do you think from a societal or a you know, behavioral impact that the pandemic and going forward do you think there's some changes that'll stick with us i think that there are when it was in level four and we were locked down and it was all quite peaceful and we weren't rushing around and recognizing that, that some people are doing this hard and there's vulnerabilities and so on but but in the main it was a time of of calmness and i think that we appreciated that and i think that hopefully we'll find a way of doing that uh, again but then as soon as the as soon as lockdown four ended we started driving around a bit and 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 being busy again and then as we come back down through the lockdowns we've gotten busier and busier so it hasn't stayed in the the sense that we you know, aren't rushing around like crazy things but we do have that more of a sense of that's what we could be doing and so i think that that has will lead to us knowing that the the heavy consumption the heavy rushing around that we were doing is not necessarily what we want to be aiming for so i think it might have changed the the vision of what the future might might hold i i well i think it's certainly given more people exposure. Um, for me, I, I always remember in London, I would have, you know, London is a city, busy, plenty of what you'd call financially successful people, and I'd have a number of those in my swim squad. And I remember having a conversation with one and saying, how's your week going? You know, not so great. And I'd say, what's the best part of your week? And they said, your swim squad. Now, our swim squads are very, very simple and basic. And, you know, you're talking about here's, a multi-millionaire with things that you would in normal conversation have said are inspiring that you want to reach for and here they are saying their happy place was actually in the swim squad and that caused me to reflect quite a bit go well, what are we delivering we actually it is slowing down it's some exercise it's just peaceful it's some friends that you're chatting to without an agenda it's all those sorts of things so i think i already have about access me happy and what makes them happy and um and that was i think that's what we saw at level four often we're chasing things that we think will make us happy but they're not and if we took the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple pleasures we find that our need for consumerism 
and all those things uh, uh, go away, associated straight away. Um, but we kind of fall into a trap, don't we? I was out today, like I said to you, I was late getting on the call with you because I was at a Vodafone store because my mobile phone's not working properly and I had to get caught in a traffic jam to get there, all those sorts of normal things. And, uh, and now, post-pandemic, I'm thinking about, oh, how can I avoid those as much as I can? You could go for a swim. One of the things about the about long distance swimming in particular is that it's necessarily slow. It's necessarily about concentrating on your breathing and getting into that rhythm. Exactly, and it's it's it. Isn't it scary how many people aren't comfortable with that? They need to keep busy all the time. They want to be on television or on games. They're not just being there in the moment. And uh, and long distance swimming is all about getting comfortable with being lost in the moment. As a coach for a marathon swimmer, you know, if you're a short distance swimmer, we used to coach pool swimming or I used to race it, we'd get engaged, we'd cheer you on, we'd yell at you to, to get you going. But in the marathon swim, we actually sit back. We want you to be just lost so that time starts to blend. That's important for me. Is that something that you enjoy when you're doing the long distance swimming? Sam, you lose that concept of time, you get lost in the moment? I think so. And it's, you know, the, the the moments of bliss are those moments when the water seems like you're sort of just, just gliding along on top of it, particularly if the light is doing nice things in front of you. And you're thinking, this is it. This this is this is what I need. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? And I'm, it's lovely seeing groups pop up. You know, you talked about going to I know in Nelson there's a meet-up group, uh, Wellington, Auckland, Fur Seals, and a number of other groups that meet up. Here in Christchurch, we've got the Scarborough Dippers, which are swimming um, in the mornings throughout July without a wetsuit, all the way through July. They go every day. And they, it's, you know, it's not just the swimming, but it's the water, that sense of vitality they get, and also the social interaction. It's great. Let's put 10cc's channel swimmer there. Because 
it does end with who would be a channel swimmer only a fool like me so what's the biggest success you've had in the the last couple of years uh, my biggest successes, the ones that I really love, is when I take an adult swimmer who, well, an adult who is scared, body conscious, and thinks they can't swim, and I turn them into someone who is a swimming fan and swimming goes on to be a part of their life and adds to the quality of their life. They are my actual I enjoy my marathon swims from a personal achievement, um, and they take me to some lovely places in the world, but... The reality is I know swimming quite well and I enjoy communicating about it. So the real successes are for me are when I'm able to share that and other people catch the bug. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're in our mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? Superpower? Wow. Yep. Uh, my, I don't know if you but I've got bucket of enthusiasm as a child as well so um I, really that's what i feel gets it across the line and i'm lucky that my parents got me into swimming as a young child do you consider yourself to be an activist an activist what is yep. an activist an activist yeah it's i, I was hoping i was hoping for your i was hoping for your definition i um i'm a swim fanatic and i'm also i lobby so i'm passionate about what i do and i lobby on behalf of others does that fit under an activist umbrella um i can't think of the top of my head definition of an activist i think sometimes it goes an activist goes outside mainstream lobbying for a cause sometimes i do but sometimes i'm just quite convincing with a mainstream argument what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years biggest challenge for me here now is is trying to spread the importance of swimming uh, within the Christchurch. So now that I'm home, I'm lobbying very hard to open up those spaces and protect them for swimming. A message was given to me quite a few years ago at council level was that people weren't interested in swimming. And just as we've shared today our, our respective stories, Sam, when the opportunity is provided, people love to hit the water. And often it's because either they don't have the access to it or they don't know how to do it. But that's my biggest challenge, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I just hope that, you know, we speak in another couple of years and and you, through social media or word of mouth, just start to run into more and more people that have found swimming because of something we've done. That's my hope. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Sure thing, Sam. You can. You're listening and you're a non-swimmer and you think you can't. If you think you're a sinker, if you think you get out of breath and you're not fit enough, you can swim. You can enjoy the water. Uh, If you're a parent, if you're scared of the water, your child will feed off that. So use that as a challenge maybe to get some help and learn to swim. Um, If you're not water competent, of course, never go in to help someone. You want to have someone that's competent observe your kids when they go in. But my message to take away any anyone can swim you just need the right encouragement the right advice and you just need to put a put a bit of time into it it's remarkable how many people comment on facebook when i say i've you know put up a thing to say if we just um swim across the harbor or something which swimming across the harbor is not very far it's only one and a half two k um but they say i just couldn't i I just oh that's my dream i wish i could do that what percentage of the population do you think could swim across the harbor then 
I suspect it's quite small of people who can do it now, but I would like to I think that agree. anybody could. I'd agree. Well, anyone could with the right help, but the amount that are able to. So interesting conversation with Water Safety New Zealand recently. They put all their resources into kids, and they've been doing that for the last few years. And I said, well, at least 80% of the population are already not kids. Who's trying to help them out? And that's our goal. We're actually really adult focused and so one of the reasons we've taken on this pool is we found that adults tend to be more self-conscious both body conscious and learning conscious so if we can have a, a private skills then they're going to be more apt to uh to take on the lessons um something else i did in the lockdown sam was talking to university of otago who are you know re- PE department doing research on survival skills in the water uh, have you been chatting to them at all no, I haven't. Uh, very interesting conversations about water temperature. Of course, uh, in London is a good example. All of my Learn to Swim students, we taught in water 20 degrees or below. So that was their first experience in the water. That's where they learned. And what we found was we could take them to the open water and they were relatively comfortable. So I'm an arguer of environmental familiarisation and then skills. Whereas in New Zealand, we tend to teach, teach skills and then some environmental familiarisation if you're lucky. So we did a pitch, which was unsuccessful, to water safety about getting people in the outdoor environment because it tends to be you'll learn these days in a 32-degree pool, mm. and then you might fall out of your boat or get caught in a rip, and it's the water, uh, and people forget all about their skills they learned in a nice, controlled environment. We'll go out with one more swimming song. We'll go out with... Louder and Wainwright the thirds, the swimming song, moved his arms around. Thank you very much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to catch up with you. Indeed. So on the banks of the River Thames, down the wire, and now live online. been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Dan Abel in Kaipoi. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.